A very good morning, Queenie. Uh, today I have with me uh, a, a dear friend, a colleague, uh, someone I've known for many, many years, uh, Queenie Lutua. Uh, she is an advocate for women workers and marginalized women in our communities, uh, is a former General Secretary of the Fiji Nurses Union, advisory to National Union of Factory and Commercial Workers Union, and the president of the Kete Ira Women's Wing in Moala, uh, heading a project of building a kindergarten and raising funds um, for scholarships for tertiary students. Welcome, Queenie. Priscilla, thank you. Finally, we've made time to yes, catch up yes. today. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, the reason why I've asked you to come along and let's just have a chat basically is uh, because I find that over the years we've worked through so many different uh, spaces and um, you and I have a history of uh, a little bit of banking behind us uh, and being involved in the trade union movement and um, in my view it was uh, important that we talk about this issue because uh, too many times we're talking about leadership and we're talking about leadership at the national level. Uh, we are discounting the fact that there are so many leaders out there in the communities, in different spaces, uh, in the trade unions mm -hmm. uh, where women workers are affected. And so uh, my first question to you would be, in uh, starting off our discussions, is what are your views on trade unions and your um, take on women's participation in leadership? Uh, thank you, Priscilla. Um, in the trade union movement, uh, I believe that uh, the bulk of the members are women, uh, at least in the two unions that I've worked with, the Fiji Nursing Association and also the um, National Union of Factory and Commercial Workers. Um, participation, they are very um, active in programs that uh, the union runs, in uh, protesting, <coughs> also in uh, activities celebrating uh, workers' rights and all that. But when it comes to leadership, um, many of them shun away from taking over responsibilities. Um, taking over leadership, we can say. So uh, I think in a way the, the traditional way of thinking that women must take a back step uh, and let the men or their men uh, move forward in terms of leadership is still very much there. Um, unless there's a lot of uh, uh, education and awareness and supporting uh, mm -hmm. of these women to, you know, say yes and come up and be more visible in a leadership uh, role, um, then we might not, uh, you know, have the numbers that can take over leadership. But a lot of these women don't know that they are leaders themselves in their own homes. In many of them are heading the household. Um, either the spouse has died or moved on in terms of uh, working abroad. It's the women that have taken over that leadership role. So 
uh, we cannot really say that they don't know the role. They do uh, know that um, or how to do, how to be a leader, but they don't uh, look at themselves becoming a leader in the community or in organizations that they belong to. Yes, yes. I, I, I concur with you when you say that, you know, women, there's huge numbers in the Fiji Nursing mm. Association, even the bank union that mm. I was mm. a part of, uh, majority were women. Mm. Uh, and we still, you know, we still, we had a few, but not someone right at the helm. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it is, it is a concern. Mm. Um, but given, given the fact that there are more women in these unions, uh, Queenie, what do you think is the issue? What is the problem apart from the socialization that we go through about, you know, men being leaders and mm. the patriarchal structures? Uh, why why do you think women are shying away from this? Because uh, it, it it is a worry, isn't it? You know, when you see so many women there, mm. a majority women, and they're still not uh, coming forward. Well, what could be really the reason? Yeah. Like I said, um, <coughs> we uh, a lot of our women still have that traditional way of thinking mm. that they cannot move forward and be leaders if there are men there. Right. You know, sometimes I do think like that, mm -hmm. uh, and then I say to myself, "No, why, why can't I put myself in, you know, and do a better job rather than relying on a man." So until we change that uh, paradigm, mm. you know, mm. we shift that paradigm, mm. the way of thinking, uh, it'd be very difficult for us to convince our own um, women to take yes. on the leadership yes. role. And uh, uh, if we're looking at um, uh, a step, a step onto into the political arena where we need more women, Maybe the town council election, the council election would be a great way of moving mm. the women mm. to sort of, in a way, give them that practice. Yes. That they can, you know, become Build members their of confidence. parliament. Yes. Yeah. Once yeah. they go, yeah. they take small steps. Small steps. So um, I think that's something that we need to do. Oh, uh, yes. As women yes. advocates yes. to continue to, to drive that. Yeah. into the minds of women. Right. The local government elections is definitely a stepping mm -hmm. stone. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're all looking forward to that. Yes, you know, yes. the new coalition government has mm -hmm. promised that, you know, that will happen mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. So we're keeping our fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, having said what you've said, um, Queenie, about women not being interested, mm -hmm. how did you get interested? Like, what was your... <laughs> What was your uh, journey mm. uh, in terms of uh, rising to the helm of the FNU? Because I, that's where and how I got to know you mm. through the women's wing of the Fiji Trades Union Congress yeah, yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, how did you develop an interest in this um, area? It's quite a long story. I, um, oh. I started as a banker with the Central Monetary Authority and later Reserve Bank of Fiji. Uh, way back in 1973. In 1984, I had my third child, my fourth child, sorry. And at that time, we had just got through the paid maternity, but only for the first three. So for the fourth one, you never got paid or you got $5 a day or something $5 like that. $5 a day, yeah. yes, yes. So I had uh, a son born in 1984. And then... 
the promotion also, I had reached the peak of my career as a clerical officer with the Reserve Bank. And I was not a member of the union. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I sort of believe that, you know, uh, I, I can get my promotion and my salary increases through merit. Mm. Yeah. Um, until I got stuck. Mm. That's when I decided uh, I must join the union. Maybe the union uh, can do something for me. So I met our friend, uh, the late Bob Kumar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the general secretary at that time. Um, I joined the union and they uh, elected me to be the secretary of our union at the Reserve Bank of Fiji. And then um, during that, uh, that entry into the union, I sort of saw, it, it sort of opened my mind that there was a lot more to belonging to a union uh, than just a pay rise. There were other things you were exposed to, you know, political uh, matters, uh, regulations of um, uh, employment laws, um, and a lot of overseas exposure was done. Um, it, it sort of made me uh, more interested. Yeah. Um, and I was lucky enough, I, I was selected to be one of the participants to the Fiji participants to the Trade Union Training Authority of Australia, where we took uh, six weeks uh, training and also in Singapore on trade union mm. and um, education, how we can run educational workshops for union. So that got me hooked. Mm. I, after that, I couldn't um, leave the union. Right. Um, and when I went into um, uh, the university, I, I went into university quite late in my life. Um, I decided to do industrial relations. So that was part of my, uh, my journey. And um, I just retired last year. But it's still very much part of my life. Part of your yeah, life. Yeah, I I love um, working for you know it to to improve the employment um, conditions of our people. Yeah, and that's very important for us. The the issue of uh, <clears throat> uh, being stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. then having mm-hmm. and then getting uh, involved mm-hmm. in in what it means to. You know, a, a lot of times uh, I have to break it down to tell women mm. uh, that, you know, your annual leave, your maternity leave, your sick leave, mm. uh, uh, your bereavement mm. leave, any benefits that you have in your collective agreements if you are a member of a mm. union, mm. you know, comes through hard-fought negotiations yeah, sure. yeah. and it just doesn't come on a golden platter mm. uh, from the employer. Mm. The employer doesn't love you to just give it to you like mm. that. It's it's a whole lot of work done in the background. Mm. And so, um, you know, my next question is around that, uh, Queenie, mm. um, that, you know, the conditions of nurses in our country um, uh, does not seem to be the best. Mm. And we find that a lot of them are leaving in droves, you know, uh, huge numbers, mm. and we're finding it uh, a challenge to... Mm 
to uh, replace them. What do you think is the real cause mm -hmm. of um, of this uh, this brain drain, if you want to call it that? Um, thank you, Priscilla. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, I've left uh, working with the nurses for since 2012, uh, but I think that there's uh, a lot of um, uh, things that affecting nurses uh, or making them leave uh, was the the past uh, uh, insecure uh, job that they had. Mm. Uh, they were not that um, uh, confident in staying on because they had to sign three-year contracts. Um, that is one of the, um, the problems that were arose. And secondly, they were promises of um, um, promotions for many of them. But when they got into the position, they were given acting mm. uh, positions. They were not confirmed into positions. So a lot of them, this is from speaking with uh, many of them who had continued to contact me. Mm. And uh, I think one of the uh, the other that's one of the push factor mm. one of the other factor is that the opening up of the markets in New Zealand and Australia taking in skilled workers from Fiji and the Pacific and I think that is one bigger problem that we mm. have um, the opening up of these markets mm. and also <coughs> the uh, given opportunities that these uh, uh, workers, these skilled workers, particularly our health workers, well, not not only our nurses, we are also losing doctors. Yes. We are losing paramedics. Yes. Um, you name them, electricians and, mm -hmm. and all that, mechanics. So that is a big challenge for the current government. And I believe that that is something that they must urgently attend to before we lose the skilled workers who were trained to work for our country. Mm. Because if nothing is done, then there'll be a huge gap. There'll be a huge skills gap. Isn't there, a, isn't there one already, a huge gap already, Queenie? Yes, it's beginning yeah. to widen. Yeah. It yeah. continues to be widened uh, because of the easy access to work visas abroad uh, plus our palm um, the, the palms agreement that is now in place um, although it is good many of them saying no we we love you know moving mm. abroad and mm. finding new opportunities for us fine mm. that's good we're giving them the opportunity but what about here? What about here? Who's going to be looking after our sick? Yes. Who's going to be looking after our elderly? Who's going to be, you know, mm. looking after our construction? Mm. Um, because all these skilled people are moving. Right. And to me personally, that's a big worry. It is a worry. Uh, yes. And it's mainly the young people. It's the young generation that this country has invested in, in a, through education. The parents have been given the... They, they've spent their savings mm. educating them, and now they're moving. So we've got to try and do something that will attract them to remain, at least. Right, mm. right. And and when they when you say that they should be encouraged, or, or rather they they are moving, 
because of better opportunities and uh, better prospects overseas. Mm. Mm. What are some of the uh, areas that the government needs to look at to retain them? Um, apart from uh, giving them a better working conditions, mm -hmm. um, um, the the w well, they they always say the salary must go up. Fine, but how much can we give? Because we cannot compete with the overseas market. Right. Even if we give them, uh, you know, a, a, a huge wage increase, it will still not reach what the overseas offers are. So one of the other things is look at other incentives, looking at giving them back the housing. Remember previously civil servants used to be given housing. Teachers used to be given Even, quarters yes. as part of the salary package, package that goes yes. in. Yeah. They were not paid very high salary, but enough, uh, and that sort of uh, complemented the low salary because they were given the quarters. Um, now there's no more quarters being given and they no. are being told to pay rent in whatever, if there's a school quarters provided, they must pay rent. All that never used to happen before because they, it was taken as a perk mm. uh, that comes with your salary package. That is one. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, this is my, I'm not an economist, mm -hmm. but I see that the cost of living is also affecting <coughs> um, families. Uh, being able to live on the mere low wages that they have. That is another area. So for the low paid workers, many of them would rather leave to go and work abroad and then send back money home. Yes. For them that is more convenient. Yeah, remittances is yes. huge yes. in this country. Uh, and economically the, yes. the country benefits from right. those remittances. Yeah. Um, the other uh, thing to do is to look at the countries that are taking them and draw up an agreement that they must only take this many mm. and invest back into the country the education costs that we have used uh, in this brain drain that has happened. I mean, that's, that's what I, I see might be able to be, um, be done um, mm. to sort of slow you don't actually cut off, but cut you off, just slow, you slow, slow it down, down a bit. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. And do you think that uh, the number of uh, nursing schools that we have now um, are, are churning out enough enough uh, nurses? Definitely not, uh, Priscilla. Mm. I think the two schools that we have at the moment the Sangam uh, is just not enough. Yes, Sangam yeah. and the mm. FNU. Yeah, um, we can open up. I'm challenging the the churches, the Catholic Church and the Methodist Church, right. because they have hospitals. They have the Bar Methodist Hospital that is now uh, vacated by government, and they've got the Namostau Hospital that's still um, partly run by government. They should, um, you know, look at uh, creating a university, right. and because the, we have the, the numbers. We have school dropouts at Form 6 level, Form 7 level. They can't get employed. So where do they go back? Mm. They go back to be house helpers. They go back to being, what? Um, you know, go back to the village, yeah. many of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, women end up getting married mm. at a young age. 
So all that education wasted. Yeah. But if they have opportunities to go into nursing uh, or other health uh, uh, aged care workers, they, I think at least mm. we can be that's, like that's Philippines. That's an important mm. sector, mm. Uh, mm. Queenie. Yes. The uh, elderly and the aging yes, yes. population. Mm. Um, where, where? Uh, that's very interesting. Where do you see? Uh, do you see enough uh, people here? that can get trained to take on that kind of a role? Definitely, yes, Priscilla. If you yeah. look at our population, yeah. we've got a bigger number in the lower age. Yes. So these are the people that we must target. And they Both go away to the female. U.S. to do that kind yes, of work, yes. right? Exactly. Uh. They go to U.S. and now they even go to Australia. Um, the age, If we have good curriculums, I think USP and FNU have good curriculums. If that can be spread on, you know, shared to other institutions that would like to uh, run the same courses, then we can do that. We can look at labor mobility as part of our our export. Mm. We export mm. in a way. Yes. Uh, workers that can go and work and come back. All right. You know, so right. so that's another area, another yeah. area that can be looked yeah. at. Another thing that I remember growing up was uh, community nurses. Mm, mm, you know mm. how they used to come around mm. and check our homes, yeah. um, check the food we were eating. Uh, I remember them walking around the compound mm. to see that the drains were all clean, mm. um, stuff like that. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, just public health nurses... Public health has got to be promoted now, rather than curative. Right. If we, if the Ministry of Health invests more into public health, we will have more healthy population. Mm. Then lesser people will require curative in the hospitals. So I think that's an area, that's a good uh, area to look at. Yeah. Um, uh, particularly not only from the village setting, also in the urban setting. In the uh, urban setting. Because now we have... Um, uh, informal settlements. Informal settlements. Informal settlements are very important to be looked at. Yes. Their safety and the health issues that can start from there. So um, the way I see it, public, uh, the public health uh, area must be promoted. There's more money that should be injected into that area so that they can see that we have a good, healthy population. We still have organic, we still eat organic food, fish, plants, um, mm. you know, vegetables that mm. we plant, fruits that we get, the mandarins, the mangoes, mm. these are all organic. Mm. So that is still good for us. So we still, we still can live good, healthy lives. Mm. But provided we are given that guideline. And what you said is very, very true. Uh, there's a lot of cases of typhoid, mm. and the, the public health people know why typhoid is being spread. Mm. Diabetes. So, yes, diabetes. Yeah, NCDs. Yeah. yeah. So all these uh, these health issues <coughs> can <coughs> be, can be um, uh, looked at, uh, can be handled mm. at, through the public health. Uh, and the public health nurses that come around eh? yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. it's amazing how we women have so many ideas mm. and uh, you know uh, it's just about putting it all together mm. and, mm. and uh, you know helping uh, government come to some kind yeah. of uh, 
plan mm. where you know the women themselves mm. are involved mm. because they they know mm. how they run their families right. how they stretch their budget mm. to make sure the meals mm. are are good they're mm. you know healthy balanced, balanced mm. uh the welfare and mm. uh, well-being of the child mm. so yeah that's uh, it's been very interesting uh, mm. conversation queen what would your what would your advice be to uh say the medical authorities at the moment that uh, or say the new government mm. uh what would be your advice to them in terms of how we see uh this whole plan work out in terms of nurses leaving how we retrain them community nurses mm. what would your concluding remarks be around this yeah um to retain uh to retain our workers first of all you've got to satisfy them yes how do we satisfy them you give them what they deserve right and what is affordable and secondly the recognition sometimes uh workers just continue to work with not even a thank you um i i've been hearing the when someone has to retire at 55 all they given is a, a letter yes why not even a morning tea you know yeah. just have a morning tea and give a yeah. thank you speech that doesn't mm. cost much yeah so the recognition of the work that is women or these uh, workers have done in the last 20 30 40 years that is something important because mm. at the end of the day when they leave and they go back they continue to do what they know is right. Yes. They will continue to advocate for health if they were health workers. Yeah. So going back into the community that is something that uh, they would like to do if we recognize them uh, at the end of their working life. And there has to be a database, right? Of all these women yes. that yes. have worked mm-hmm. in these professional mm-hmm. roles. Mm. Uh you know how we they retired teachers at 55 mm, mm, mm. and then they called them back yeah you know when they found there was this huge gap mm. they they called them back and uh, so you know you can't write off people no, or forget no, about them yeah. when they've reached 55 mm. they're still very productive mm. they're still of course now it's been raised to 60 but mm. uh, retirement age but uh, you know they they have some such a great wealth of mm, knowledge mm. and if we had that database we could draw on them mm. to to make these policies well the the interesting thing uh, priscilla a lot of these nurses and teachers are now being employed in the uh, the neighboring countries yes yeah we're losing them there um at the moment what i see is let's not have a retirement age for workers mm. while we try to bridge the gap um let them continue to work maybe a different condition um but let it be a a, a time where this uh, experienced senior um civil servants or, or workers um you know pass on their knowledge to the young ones that are coming up so in a way they train them because so they work till they can yes yes you know yes until they are physically and mentally, mentally. stable to continue yeah. to contribute yeah. Yeah. um there's really no retirement age you know uh, i know workers from the private sector they continue to work after 60 um 
really until they cannot. I know uh, 70-year-olds yes, still working. Yes. Uh, I think overseas, yeah, yeah. there's no retirement age for, for nurses. Mm. Um, so maybe that is something that they can uh, look at. And uh, before I forget, I think um, we were talking about aged care. Mm. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, child care. Yes. Uh, that is also an avenue that government can look at to train yeah. and, uh, and export. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, we, we are really living in an era where we have to try and uh, patch, patch the wrongs that have been done and that has caused this brain drain. Yes. Um, and fill in those gaps. Yes, those gaps. So yeah. we've got to really urgently look at you know, areas that we can utilize. Right. And areas that we can control because we are the, the exporting market. Right. in terms of labor mobility. So those, those are the kind of things that I think, um, yeah. you know, uh, can be done. Maybe, yeah. Can yeah. Be, it can yeah. be done, can definitely, be done. yeah. Just uh, needs a lot of consultation mm. and uh, it needs a lot of commitment yeah, by the people. And I think it's very important to listen to these workers. Yes. It's very important. Yes. Then only you'll be able to know what their grievances are. Exactly. To exactly. be able to correct, yeah. correct mm. it, right? Mm. Um, so what would your parting message be to women workers of this country? Should they all join unions? Yes, I think they should join unions. To start Definitely. off with? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, they should join unions. But my message to the unions is to also recognize the workers. Yes. Um, personally, I feel the, the unions are not doing enough for the mm. workers. Mm -hmm. Apart from negotiating their collective agreement, they must run workshops, continue to educate them on the, their rights or employment rights. If there's a change in the law, we must continue to to uh, advise them mm -hmm. uh, of these are the laws that has been changed and this is what it means to you yes. when you work. Um, what I find in, in the private sector, a lot of women workers are now doing the work that men used to do uh, because the employers have found that women workers report to work better than the men. They don't miss uh, work that you know that much and they often stay late mm -hmm. to finish the work so my message to to the employers is to look after their workers treat them justly um, and my message to the women workers and men, men workers male workers too to make sure you know your employment right when it is a matter of uh, health and safety your health comes first and the safety of your life comes first. The profits must be secondary, never primary. It, because when you lose your life, and that is your family loses you, hmm. if you're the sole breadwinner, and that's a big, big challenge hmm. for the family. So, yes, definitely, I would encourage them to join the union that they can join and be active, play an active role. And take on leadership roles. And challenge yourself to step forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's change the culture. Yes, yes, definitely. Of, of uh, mm. this, mm. this male dominance. I think dominance. that conversation must yeah. change. Yes, yes. yes. Mm. The narrative must change. Mm. Yes. Mm. So, um, uh, Queenie, it's been, it's been a pleasure.
pleasure talking to you. you. You know, every time we meet up, we are talking about uh, unions <laughs> and the workers and women workers mm. in particular. Mm. And today you shared with us mm. uh, so much of your own um, experiences, mm. uh, your knowledge, and we really, really appreciate that. So thank you for your time today. Thank you, Priscilla. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.